They call me Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of green green in my hand. Then we tripping up and back down the bayou. I'm the last of the best, they call me the greedy man. Got many clients, come from miles around, running down my prescription. I got medicine, medicine. To cure all y'all's ills. Cure all y'all's ills. I got remedies of every description. Yeah. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to another rousing episode of the Poe Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Jody B. And it's Saturday. It's Saturday morning. Uh, tonight is the night, the epic showdown between good and evil, the Maymac $200 million prize fight. It's going to be so crazy, man. Everybody's talking about it and just seeing all the publicity and all the shit that's going down. Like, I can't imagine. I think, uh, it's going to be pretty nuts, man. Um, so this week... I have on a guest. His name is Seaflow. Now, he's a, a mutual friend now between me and Rodrigo Venegas from the Listening Party podcast. And uh, they sent him my way. Uh, they did a show with him, and just I sing songs there. So they kind of made the connection through that. Anyway, it's a really good conversation. And. Uh, I'll be happy to admit that at this point, I think it's probably one of my favorite episodes so far because I'm I'm all about talking about funny shit and trying to, you know, make light of situations. In this one, you know, we have some funny stuff, but it also gets pretty serious, man. Like we talk about some some shit that's going on in the world today, and it was very insightful. And I'm happy to have him as a a guest and as a an internet friend. So y'all kick back. And uh, enjoy, because I sure did. And uh, I'll catch y'all asses after the show. You bunch of motherfuckers. Water, if your neighbors give you trouble, put your business in the street. Uh, hello, you're caller number 10. What's the bad word? <laughs> What's going on, dude? How are you? Pretty good. Uh, waking up, man. If you need a little bit longer, you can take it, man. <laughs> I understand. No, 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 I'm good. <laughs> you just, I don't know if you have kids. But uh, I got this one, and it's kind of one of those things that when he hits the sheets, bro, like that's when you got to get your shit done. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. No, no, I've, I've been up for the last couple hours just had breakfast and just sitting around being lazy today. Oh, I feel you. That's Saturdays, bro. That's me. Hell, I'm. It's right? 
fucking 12.30. I got a whiskey drink. I got a beer and a koozie here. I got some water. Like, it's it's time to go, man. That was good. <laughs> mm. So, yeah. Seaflow. Good. It's nice to meet you, man. I'm Jody nice P. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Pleasure meeting you. I'm glad you came to join me today, brother. That's uh, that's really cool. Uh, I know we got the mutual friend in Rodrigo, and right. uh, I'm hoping to get a couple of you guys. I, I think I had him try to call Rudy too. Like you know, I, I've heard you guys on their show, and you sound like cool, cool dudes. So hey, that's I like talking to cool people. <laughs> I sound cool. Rudy's a little cooler than I am, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> So we all have good times on the show. That's so right. We've enjoyed it. So yeah, what's um you know? Can you tell me a little about yourself, man? Are you guys? I I think don't you have a business together? Is it a is it a show or do you sell stuff? Like I, I get confused with the guests sometimes. So forgive me if I'm misunderstood. No, no, um. So Rudy and I met through Rodrigo and Denise, and through actually the podcast, um, the Listening Party podcast, and um, I. I met through I met Rudy through them, but um, yeah. Other than that, we're just mutual friends. Uh, met through Rodrigo and Denise, and um, every once in a while they invite us to come on. <laughs> Rudy and I really haven't uh, really spent very much time together, other than just being on the show, and uh, that's our brotherhood or our kinship, just uh, through the show and um, occasional hangouts. Well, I totally missed on that one, didn't I? It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the other I guy that it, I listened to because your episode on their their show was just a few a few uh, weeks ago, right? Like a month, maybe yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, let's see, Rudy did a follow up, and there's another guy I think in that that group of that little three. Then maybe that's who I I'm did. confused. Maybe I'm thinking it's it's Rudy, and then that other the other guy. Actually, no. I, I think uh, we're pretty much all on the same. Like I, I went to school with Albert. We both were at um, Long Beach State. Yeah. And in California, we were both in the same um, programs. And then um, that's how I actually met Denise. Denise, Albert, and I were all classmates at Long Beach State some years back. And um, she just got in touch with me saying that she does this podcast. She knew that I enjoyed music. She knew I enjoyed uh, talking. Yeah. <laughs> and so... She invited me on. She introduced me to her husband, Rodrigo. And uh, we, we got along, and we hang out every once in a while. Go to parties, go to concerts. I actually went to a concert with Rodrigo uh, um, last Sunday. So be honest. Are they as cool as they sound? They are. They're pretty cool. I dig they're, it. They're a quirky couple, but uh, they are pretty cool. I dig it, I wouldn't man. be <laughs> If they weren't, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, no, I, I, you know, I, I only get to hear them. So I see pictures. I know what they look like, and I just, I imagine, they seem like really cool people. You know, it's 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 hard to relate now to people that don't have kids. And I know that sounds like a little bit of a, a asshole thing to say, but it really is true. Like once you have them, your your whole perception changes a little, and so then you just don't quite have the same. You know, like, I, I haven't been excited in a while. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, just, it takes a little bit of the joy out of you, bro, when you don't sleep and you're taking care of another person. Yeah, there were some tough times, especially early on when, uh, yeah, it seems like you're, um, 
um, doing a lot of childcare, and but um, it's a, it's rewarding. I do have a daughter. I have a ten year old daughter, and she's at the age where she tags along with me in a lot of my activities. And uh, as long as uh, kid friendly, she always goes along. And a lot of my friends are supportive. There are some of them, like actually Rodriguez and Denise are really cool. We do um, we go on hikes. We go on. Uh, adventures and they don't mind having on these come along and they've been really cool so but i am separated or actually divorced so i have a, a, a one foot in both arenas i'm able to hang out with a lot of my single friends who don't have um, children or even married couples that don't have children and then i also have my daughter so when she's around and when she's with me i'm i'm able to relate both ways so i totally understand what you're but just saying about having a child and not having a child. It's, it's such a shock when you're, when you're only taking care of yourself for the longest time. And then you finally get involved with another person. So then you get married or you have just the long term, you know, so that's, that's one adjustment. And then you kind of cut that in half again now with your time. And then obviously, you know, if you're working full time, it's just, you don't really have a lot of time to do shit anymore, man. Like this is this is a hobby, I guess. You know, this is how this is how uh, new fathers make friends. <laughs> in in twenty seventeen, it's you don't have time to go out and see people, so you just right. troll around online until you find somebody that you think will be cool, and then you go, "Hey, buddy, it's nice to meet you. I couldn't meet you in public, but hey, I'm sitting in my fucking office right now." And uh, I want to talk to somebody that's not my wife or my kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way of, um, that's, that's pretty good one. I think that's a, a productive way of doing it. There's um, many ways of actually doing it, but I think that's a productive way and, and uh, um, positive way rather than going out and leaving your wife and kid at home or just um, dropping your kid off with a family member and going hitting up the bars and then coming back and not being able to spend time with your family. I think uh doing pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I understand that it will be more rewarding in the end. I think what it is is right now because, and he's, I know everybody probably thinks their kid's smart. He seems pretty smart to me just in that how quickly he's even picked up words. And it's weird because my wife read this thing a long time ago that said that children basically figure out language a lot sooner than you think but they don't have like the capacity to say to speak language like they understand exactly what the hell you're saying and it's strange because he's almost two and sometimes i talk to my kid like a grown man you know what i mean it's it is what it is so i he'll be kind of in my lap doing and i'll say hey man go over there get that shit put it up come back over here and we'll change it and he'll put the shit down he'll go over do the thing pick it up but he can't say like okay or hey do you want me to put this here like it's really strange man like how smart i guess little kids can be and how quickly they pick up on shit right um actually um i have a an educator i I work in the education field um and going to school i was actually going doing my master's when um when my daughter was born and i had child development and all these other um, avenues of resources of knowledge I was able to gather different things and I had things that I was doing with my daughter when she was 
when she was one one years old, I was using a lot of sign language. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they don't have Smart. the capabilities of verbalizing what they want to say. Yeah. But they they do have thoughts. They do have complete thoughts, and they will they want to try to communicate. So I was using a lot of sign language, and it's basic sign language. It's like a quick um, open close hand sign for milk. And so she would whenever she wanted milk, she was able to sign, and she was communicating with me. When she was done, there's a sign for finished. There's a sign. And I, they're just the basic, simple signs of American Sign Language, but I was using those. And so I think, uh, and I've, research has actually um, backed it up that because she doesn't have the capabilities of vocalizing and verbalizing what she wants to say, but she was able to sign, that also helped her become a better communicator and start speaking sooner. Yeah. Because... When it did come time to where she was capable of speaking, she was already having, being able to understand that she could communicate, say something to me, tell me something, and I was going to be there for her and, and listen to her. So it was, it's pretty amazing. Kids are amazing. See there, see Flo? You a smart motherfucker. You teaching that baby sign language. <laughs> That's really hey, cool, I, man. Like, um, we do, uh, the TV in the living room. Now, this this came about because of just he was loud for a while. Like there was a, about six months where it was learn shit because we would just always make loud noises at him and stuff and go woo, you know, like pick him up. And so he would just walk around the house and make fucking noises. So in order to not have to turn our TV up really really loud, we put the subtitles on. Yeah. And then my wife read uh, uh, some survey that said there there could be some developmental benefits to having subtitles on when you watch programs because they're actually seeing the words at the same time. Now, it sucks because it's not exactly linked up, but, you know, they see words. He's interested in books. You know, he, he likes to read before we go to bed. We'll read some books, and it's – I dig it. He's getting a lot more attention than I got, and I'm hoping that yeah. maybe, you know, he'll be – smarter than me at least and then that'll be, that'll be good i think that's what every parent hopes for just uh to, to provide their child with something to help them get further along than wherever they end up so again i, I feel the same way I, I, i'm always just trying to provide something for my daughter just so that she gets further along from wherever i am at in life but um yeah i agree um reading is a is, is huge reading and even like I know you enjoy singing, so I, I I believe singing to your child, reading to your child, interacting is huge. So all that, like I said, when I was doing my master classes and taking child development classes, um, it was just a really eye-opening, and I think it benefited myself and my daughter in our relationship and then in her growth and her development as um, I, as she grew because I was able to have all these resources and understanding. A little bit ahead of time, or almost in sync with um, as she grew up. See, I'm interested in in something that's happening right now, and maybe as an, an educator or somebody that that has some experience with this, you might be able to to give me clues here if I'm on point. But so, my generation, I'm 30. I don't know how old you are. Um, how old are you, Cifla? 47. Okay, cool. So you're going to have a good perspective for this. Because I'm sure, like, this is the deal, man. Technically, I'm a millennial, okay? I I get it that I was born in the right year for it. But I'm (laughs) so far from 
like removed from this air quote millennial generation attitude like it's it's it makes me upset that i'm in the group I hear you. because I, I would be too <laughs> yeah man like i i've had to work hard for everything i've ever fucking had nothing was ever given to me man like i had a grandma that really didn't give a fuck about me and i grew up in a trailer park with no male role models you know and then at 12 we moved to the middle of the goddamn woods 10 miles away from pretty much any kind of civilization and i spent a lot of fucking time in the woods by myself man and i know that i've come a long fucking way from where i was before i moved out of that i mean i got shot in the head it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me an opportunity to fucking basically finally put the wall up that i wasn't going to be hit or fucking talked down to I, we basically drew the line in the sand and said bitch you stay on your side I'll stay on mine and we'll get through this and you know I basically started my life at 18 I got kicked out I was dating a woman that was old enough to be my mom and my grandma didn't like the fact that that was happening and she said if you want somebody to be your fucking mother then you go live with her and I took my shit and I walked out so I started life early <laughs> And I've had to start from the bottom. And right now, I've got a wife. I've got a kid. I got a, a nice house. I don't live in a fucking trailer. Like, I got some money in the bank. It's not a, a lot, but we pay the bills on time, and we're broke most of the time. But it's it's a long fucking climb when you start at rock bottom. And so I have to appreciate anybody that struggles to get what they need or want because I've been there, man. <laughs> it's yeah. But these millennial kids don't get it. They didn't grow up like that. <laughs> your, exactly. your group and where I'm at, kind of in my situation, are very similar. You were latchkey kids. Maybe not you, but I'm saying like your age group. You, right. Your parents didn't pay as much attention to you. A lot of people got raised by their grandparents in your generation. Right. They were old. Well, actually, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, my both parents were working parents, and so um, I come from a, a large family. Um, I'm the oldest of five kids, so it was as soon as I was 12, I was already starting to raise my brothers and sisters. So I was the one who was in charge. I didn't say I did a great job, but <laughs> there's a lot of times where I was I was the one in charge. My parents were out at work, and we come home from school and get snacks ready. Get do whatever it needed to be done. And I was like the watchful eye over all of our, my brothers and sisters. So I, I hear where you, where you come from when, when you're having to start life a little bit earlier than what you expect or what most people had to um, do. Unfortunately, the um, school that I work at is, um, is a school for dyslexic students and um, our students with dyslexia. And um, they... They come from, um, because it's a private school, they come from wealthy houses, and, and so a lot of them have that entitlement of, oh, I don't need to do this. My parents will pay for that. I don't need to learn how to do that. I'll just have my parents buy me whatever I need. And yeah. it's just so far and um, beyond what I was experiencing when I grew up. And so to see them talk that way and to I have told, I, I lose so much respect for them. And I, I try to explain to them that they're not always going to have their parents. They're not going to have 
all these resources that are going to be provided to them, and they're going to have to grow up eventually and be able to take care of themselves eventually. And it's going to be a rude awakening for the for those kids. And it's the parents' fault. Right, exactly. It's their fucking fault, man. Because you were too busy being busy. That's what. Right. That's what's up. It's about attention, and that to bring it back. I'm. I went off on a tangent. To bring it back around. So, as an educator now, here's a new kind of thing that's happening. Because our generation, we had working parents who left latchkey kids. You would come home. Sometimes you make your dinner. You do your chores. You know. You do your thing. Yeah. But now, what you have happening are these on-site working parents, or these social media nut job parents who literally cannot put their fucking phones down or their computers. And let me tell you yeah. something. Being absent is bad. Not giving your kid attention is, is a really bad road to go down. But what's even worse is being right in front of them and not paying attention to them. Yeah. That will fuck your kid's perspective up. Because <laughs> they see you out there and they see that you should be doing something but they're still not committing or putting it for that time that they need they're competing with the the black box you know what i'm saying and then when they get old enough to get their own black box then they plug in and it's just that i think scares me more than anything like there are people that are so checked out they don't even know that their kids are are gone like porno now dude when we were kids when I was a kid, I was like, I, I got exposed to that kind of shit at a really young age. It, I f- found out what it was early. I had some situations with, like, molestation, and it's just, that's that's another day. But the deal is, like, I was exposed to it at an early age. So I know that I, I have, like, a really hypersexual thing to where uh-huh. I've had to deal with my own shit and figure it out. But that was me being exposed at a young age. I didn't get porn till I was a teenager. You know what I'm saying? Like I had to work for that. And then you got uh, download sites, and you could download little two minute pornos, and it would take all night. You know, and then you'd get up, and sometimes it would freeze up in the middle of the night, and it would crash all your shit, or somebody would call, and you'd be like, "Fuck!" <laughs> you have to do it all over again. But these kids wow. now, they get a hold of your cell phone, and they could just right. a ten year old kid could stumble upon, like, some hardcore fucking porno site. Right. That's crazy I, to me. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I mean, like, uh, me being a good 17 years older than you, it was, it was when I had to come around to uh, accessing any type of um, pornographic material, it would have to be magazines. Mm-hmm. We were first introduced to magazines. Actually, it would probably be just, like, um, some of that soft porn where you just have like the stars over the nipples and the yeah. uh, and other or Cinemax. Remember Cinemax? Segway, <laughs> you segue into some of the harder stuff, and then eventually VHS came around to where you'd have to sneak or find out the a safe time to late at night to sneak oh, to the, the living room and, and try to <laughs> get a quick uh, quick view of the video. You'd have to hide but, that yeah, shit in now. the woods. <laughs> exactly, but now it's now it's so accessible. I mean, it's just it's almost to the point where I have to like um, during the summer I at um, an academic camp where I'm working with kids and computers, and I 
unfortunately, I have to share with them saying you guys got to be careful what you guys use these computers for because it's so easily inaccessible, especially since the computers are used for a in a, a universal set, um, university setting. They're not at um, their if it was at uh, academic setting for like fourth and fifth graders, I'm sure they'd have parental uh, um, controls already set to protect them. But then it's a, and a, um, the computers are normally used for students at the college. There's no parental settings on them, so it's very easy for them to come across something. And so I was always cautioning them, don't go off on tangent links or or any types of websites other than the ones that I provided for them. Yeah, so scary. It's here's here's another one that I think about often, and it's it's because of what I've went through. It's what I know happens here. Uh, sometimes you end up with people close to the families fucking with other members of the family. Right. And I think that that's usually a result of somebody previously being assaulted or being exposed to sex at a young age. Siblings, older brother got diddled. Now that older brother diddles the little sister. I know it happens. Okay. It worries me now because you see the rise in sexual activity with, with children, children, 10, 12 years old kids. You see the increase in, in, in their promiscuity, if you will. But also in in porno, incestual porn is now on the rise. Step sibling, sister, brother, shit like it's it's a very popular thing now, and it concerns me because I think the whole thing could end up with a whole lot of creepy shit happening at these homes where these parents aren't present, and you have these siblings who are overstimulated, and they got nothing to do. And they see this other shit and go, okay, well, this this is a video of uh, uh, he's banging his sister. Cool. I'm going to try that shit. It's a dark fucking road, bro. And uh, <laughs> I'm seeing it happen right in front of my face. And I don't know what to do to stop it. I guess just talking about it, getting it off my brain, because it's definitely something that I have talked about many times with friends and just to myself going, man, this shit's getting kind of creepy. <laughs> It's funny. It's it's interesting because um, whatever was taboo ten years ago seems to be the norm, and and it seems like they're just pushing the envelope further and further and trying to figure it out. Because back in the day, just regular intercourse, sexual intercourse would be all that you needed to stimulate. But then they went with they they whatever taboo like if we had to go aim or if they had to go. Um, other just other activities or or, or oh or this, yeah uh, cuckold so porn yeah, or facials or, or all that shit shaving that was another thing that I think porn kind of changed the industry women with their yeah. their pubic hair uh, I think definitely uh-huh. porn adjusted that we're in a place now where I think it's like milf porn and then like cuckold porn and then like step sibling porn that's like one two three i think is the list right now so that's just, yeah. it tells you where we're at as a society yeah again like like i said it's whatever's taboo now and they're just pushing up because 
just like like, like uh, what the point I was trying to say was that um, what what got people excited and got people off earlier is becoming normal, and it's like, well, that's not too exciting. That's not gonna. That's not. This is not what's doing it for me. I need to find something more. Oh, and yeah. so, and so they're pushing the envelope of reaching out to what's going to excite more people or get them interested or oh that's like you might not be looking for it but you stumble across it and then you're like oh what's this and then all right well I, I, that's a scenario I could think of but all right that's interesting and then all of a sudden they then they that's all they're looking for. That's true. I mean, I think it happened with me after my wife got pregnant. I started looking at more pregnant porno. <laughs> that's not weird. I mean, it's just, you know, it's no, it's, it's interesting it's, because yeah, yeah. that's probably another one. And now MILF porn is popular because people your age between like you and me, so 30 to 47, that's probably the bubble of like people that are looking at that porno because all you guys are, are used to actually knowing, well, I can just go watch people fuck on my phone. Check it out. Yeah. And then you, you, that's what's up. <laughs> the internet, baby. That's where we're at now. I also think another one is um, the whole um, video girls, uh, web, webcam girls, or webcam couples. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing a lot of that. It just seems like. Have you ever watched one of those? Talking. Like actually go to one to pay for it? No, I'm not. <laughs> It's too accessible just to watch. Uh, well, excuse, I'm sorry, I forget you're a, pro, you're a professional. I mean, you don't have to say yes or no, man. I got you. I'm completely honest. I've never went to a website or page that I actually had to pay. Yeah. I've 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 I'll be honest. I've viewed um, other websites where it's been um, just uh, just short clips or or. or yeah. Um, or streaming, just like you porn yeah. or Pornhub or whatever, you know, just a place exactly. where you just get what you need right quick. Because I ain't got time to sit around all day and watch porn. Like, I got shit to do. I never understood the whole time when, whenever I had a VHS or DVD, I was like, oh, I don't understand why they make these a half hour long, 45 minutes long. I only need 15 minutes. They should right. just make these videos 15 minutes long. That's what they are. That's why you got the compilation <laughs> videos where it's just. Ka-chow, 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 ka-chow. Exactly. <laughs> Man, I was thinking, this is funny. And I was, I may or may not have been masturbating, but I was watching some, <laughs> some porno the other day. And uh, one of my favorite things, and you don't have to do this, but just think about it. It's funny to me. I don't know the name of the dude, but there's one particular brand of, of porn that I think is hilarious. Like, it makes me laugh. So I don't know if you really want to watch it after you just got done beating off, but maybe if you just want to see something funny that's not safe for work, go to your favorite porn site and look up huge cock reactions or big dick reactions. Okay? Now, I don't know what you're working with, C-Flow. I'm average. So I don't hear, oh, my God, I got an average dong. Most of the time, I think people are surprised when they, they're like, oh, okay. You know, it's just cool, whatever. There's videos of these, these dudes that just whip out that hammer, and these chicks are like, oh, my God. Like, they just freak out. But the funny part is, is 
most of them, they're like peeling down either the underwear or the jean, whatever it is. They're just like, oh, we're, let's see what's in here. And they pull it back. And these dudes' dongs are so long that they're like spring-loaded. So when they pull the shit out, <laughs> it literally just and smacks them right in the face. And they go, oh, right. oh, my God. And it's the funniest fucking shit. Like, where are you at in your life <laughs> where it's just like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to get paid. To get just ripped apart by this guy, but first I'm gonna let him smack <laughs> me in the face with this this fucking baton. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't uh, come across any of those years. Uh, maybe uh, next time I'm on, I'll try to put a little asterisk next to my uh, um, memories of uh, what to look, look for. You just. <laughs> It's not even about yeah yeah yeah. I'm just saying it's it's not even about doing anything to to help yourself out. It's just if you want to see something kind of funny, it's these chicks are just catching one in the face, just pank, and they go ah that's wow, and it's just it makes me laugh so hard, man. So yeah, you said you like music. Uh, what kind of music you like, Cee You know what? I like all kinds of music. Um, if you um, listen to me on the on the show, I'll probably say I've, I've probably said it, and most of us usually do. We say that we love almost every type of music except country, and uh, mm-hmm. I know that's a touchy situation because I've heard you singing many uh, many country songs, and though I do appreciate it. There's just some country that just um, it's probably more of the pop country pop that I don't I can't really appreciate all that much. So I really can't say I don't like all country. There's there's the old country like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Kenny Rogers. Oh yeah. Um, um, I'm sure there's plenty more that you could name off. Um, I even I actually um, uh, going back to a couple shows you had uh, sang a Garth Brooks song. Mm-hmm. About 20 years ago, I went to, um, I was, I used to work security for concerts and I did, um, I did security at a Garth Brooks concert and it was Ooh, like, I bet you were busy. I've been to many shows. <laughs> I, I've been to many shows. Uh, I, I mean, over, I could say over 500 shows in my life. And when I went to that show to see everybody's energy, the energy of the whole arena, um, and it was just amazing. I was I was blown away just to see all the energy, everybody on their feet for an hour and a half nonstop, just like rocking out. And um, I was familiar with maybe only four of his songs, but everybody was just on their feet, people going crazy. And he put on a good show. And I was like, that was like one of my um, greatest memories of any type of uh, show. Just. And it was just, I stumbled across it because I was working it. I wasn't going there to attend it. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but just the fact that he put on a really good show, everybody in the whole arena had a great time. Um, like I said, um, I know you were talking to Rod about maybe going to his show. Yeah. And I, was, I, I, I told him. A couple I said, texts, go. I heard that on the podcast. Gotta fucking go, man. I was like, <laughs> Yep, I, I was like, he's he's lying. He put on a good show. <laughs> so, so the funny thing Bob is, Rodrigo went through with it. I'm uh, I'm about halfway through this this whiskey drink here, so I think I'm fitting to have to 
It's game on, man. I know a lot of people like to give people what a lot of people like to give people. A lot of people like to kind of be shitty when it comes to Garth Brooks. I think that musically speaking, from the '90s, he is one of the first examples of the the blow up, right? Uh-huh. Like people blow up now. Uh, Lady Gaga blew the fuck up. Uh, right. Cyrus blew up. Justin Bieber blew up. Like people that go from just singing in a fucking bar to in five years, you are the top selling artist. You're selling out fucking Central Park. You did a show at Central Park. You sold out Central Park. You motherfucker. <laughs> like, it's amazing to me that it happened. And people like to shit on him. But what I think really happened is, and you can quote me on this, I've, I've sat and thought this through. I think that Garth Brooks killed country music. I really do. I think that because of what happened, the way that he he rose and fell and exited, I think that it's what opened the door. It's basically he crossed the line between country and pop. That's why he got so famous. Country, pop, rock, whatever. He's got upbeat songs that are fucking good, you know? Uh People dug it. He got famous as fuck. The internet showed up, and people started stealing his music. People started scamming his fans, selling bootleg tickets to people, and they would show up, and he got tired of it. And he said, God damn it, I'm not ready for this. And this is why his music is so hard to get now. There was a literal internet freeze on his catalog. If you fucking posted his music, they would take it down. Because he didn't want to be a part of it. And now he's shown up 20 years later. And the reason he went away is because he had kids. He ended up divorcing his wife because he was being scandalous with Trisha Yearwood, who's the lady he's married to now. They live on a big-ass ranch in Oklahoma. And his wife lives on one side. His ex-wife lives on one side. Him and his wife and the kids live on the other side of the property. And they just they hang out, man. That's cool. So he went home and raised his kids. For 20 years, he went away. He said, fuck it. Now, he'd put out a couple albums, and when somebody needed charity work, because, I mean, nobody sells tickets like Garth Brooks. The shit sells out immediately. If there was a flood, a fire, USO shows, you know what I'm saying? All that shit. That's when he would show up, and he would drop some shit. And then he got with Walmart. They had a hold of him for a while. And, you know, people, I think, really started not liking him when he went commercial. So that was when it kind of all was like, well, whatever. 20 years later, he comes back. His songs were fucking good. He's got legit fans. You go to his concert, if he's playing five fucking shows, by the time he gets to the third one, his voice is shot, bro. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter because everybody sings the goddamn songs. He doesn't even have to sing. He just stands there and plays the guitar and says, (laughs) you know, blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots. And then everybody's the whole goddamn if it's 17,000 people, if it's 2,000, if it's fucking Dallas Stadium with, you know, 100,000, 500,000, whatever, everybody starts singing a song. He didn't even have to do it's shit. Along, right? It's fucking nuts. So I think he showed up, changed the game, went away, and it basically he opened the door and forgot to close it. 
<laughs> and everybody else ran in. And then everything got fucked up. Yeah, everybody started crossing over and mixing this, that, and the other, and it just it became about money. And because I mean he's he's rich as shit. I mean he's one of the top selling artists of all time. So people see that and they go, "Oh, I could do that. I just have to market myself properly." It's like Conor McGregor now. You know what I'm saying? Like he's that's that's what Con- that's what he's fucking doing. Conor McGregor's doing the Garth Brooks. He's been right. in the spotlight for the last four years, and he's fixing to make a couple hundred million dollars. Props. And he's going to ride off into the sunset, and he's going to go, y'all can all fuck off. <laughs> we're going to lose. We're going to lose, and he's going home with it. He's, he's, he's saying that. That's his catchphrase. Like, I'm doubling my income. I'm going to double my income, and we're going to lose. If you market and yourself and package yourself properly, man, you can do anything you want to do. Yeah. Hmm. You like rap music well, you at all? Said, uh, a little bit. But I was just gonna say you educated me. It was almost like a little drunk history right there. It's <laughs> <laughs> half drunk history. You know, uh, I hear that story. I, I, I like other people's perspective. I, I think that's kind of why I like um, Rodrigo shows. We get to share and hear each other's perspectives on on different things and different parts or whatever we enjoy music life. But it. it Shows like yours and shows like Rod's, Rodrigo's, uh, being able to enjoy hearing other people's perspectives. And um, if it's a little bit of a whiskey drink that helps us uh, share a little bit better, it's even better. <laughs> well, thank but you. Getting back to, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. You're getting back to rap. So, um, yeah, getting back to rap. There's, um, again, um, there's some rap that I enjoyed um, being the, the age I am. I was. Uh, uh, I feel that um, rap rap came up right around the same time I was um, growing up as well. So I've I've seen the transitions and the how how raps evolved. But um, the, some of this newer rap I'm not I'm not down with. But uh, I'm able to listen to a lot of the older rap like Run DMC and Beezy uh, Boys, uh, LL Cool J. Huh. Oh, you're a 90s b-boy guy, huh? Exactly, yeah. So I'm always going to have that growing up. I, I'm sure whatever whatever you listen to as you're growing up, there's a certain age that that things just stay with you or stick with you. And and, and now when you hear it, it's almost like nostalgia. Um, That's, how old were you in the early 90s? Like Beastie Boys run DMC, What was how old were you then? I was like 22 22, 23, okay. yeah. See, that's my, I'm a, I'm a Dirty South uh, fan. I'll play your song. What do you think? Huh? I don't know how you feel about repetitive Dirty South rap music, but <laughs> this song puts me in a good mood. I, you know what? It's funny because there's a lot of times where I'll always counter music, and it, it kind of kind of grows on me. Like I remember when Dirty South came out, like you said, it was like a lot of repetitive, and and but they've got that that beat, they've got that that bounce to it. You're in a club, you hear that. Everybody's in unison and, and and dancing to it. So again, it grows on me. It's if there was something time. that I was just listening in the car, well, even in the car, you just gotta enjoy it. But 
did something, I maybe doing work on the house or, or playing that music, I probably wouldn't, I, would, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But if I'm in a car with some friends, if I'm at a club with some friends, that comes on, I'm going to be bobbing my head, dancing, have a good time, drinking my hand. I so, it. yeah, you got to appreciate that. I like, um, I think there was a, a lot of heavy-duty artists that came out between, say, like, because it really kind of started, in my opinion, with, with Dirty South rap. You had UGK. You had, you know, Cash Money was going on then, Juvenile, Birdman, Big Timers. They were doing their thing. That was cool. The little Wayne was just a little sprout. He was coming along, you know, and uh, I liked it then when it was just bounce music, you know. Yeah. Back that ass up, I remember I was probably like 10 or 12 when I heard that song hit, and I was like, this is a catchy ass song. But that was back right. when there was always two versions of the song. You would hear the shit on the radio, and then right. your buddy or your uncle or whatever would show up with the motherfucker, like the single, and you would be like, oh, that's not even close to the same song. <laughs> <laughs> that was all right. This is off the hook. <laughs> I remember because uh, you remember the song uh, Tipsy? Remember when that was a thing? Yeah, yeah. Everybody in the club get tipsy. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. The real song was everybody in this bitch getting tipsy. <laughs> but good luck finding that version because the other one stuck. You know what I'm saying? Like it, that right, happens. Right. It gets to where you just know that one version of the song. I think. So if the, if you went to the show, what, what version would they play? I would hope the live one, but then again, I don't know. Like, hmm. go ahead. CeeLo Green. The fuck you song. Remember that? Right. See you driving right. around town. Just fuck you. They made a radio version. Forget you. Yeah. I wonder which version he played. I think he says. I think he plays the fucking version. I hope so. I think, yeah, I would hope so too. And I think because that's like whatever's the album. I know that they have to change things up just to get some airplay on the radio. But you know, people are gonna want to or hear. What they what they paid for and what they paid for is usually what's on the album. That's true. I think I, f I feel like earlier rap, like early '90s, uh, Tupac, Biggie Small, and that was even in the movie Notorious. I think, like where uh, Biggie Smalls was on the come up, they released the double album, the Big Mac album, and then Puffy was like. Man, I can't get you on the radio singing these goddamn hood songs or whatever. So they did "Juicy," I think, was the one that finally like broke the the wall on that. And then they were like, "Oh, well, yeah, if you want to make fucking money, then you need to get the shit played on the radio." So you might right. want to figure that out. You don't have that now, though. You know, you can just say whatever you want. Pretty much, it's getting that. Like, like I said, everything. What was taboo ten years ago is pretty much the norm, and now they're pushing the envelope and getting further and further along that way. It's funny because um, back in the nineties, I was listening to a small band called Rage Against the Machine, mm -hmm. and I was I was yeah. listening to a lot of the stuff on the radio, and and every once in a while I'd come across some some of the singles on on um, CD. But it wasn't until I went to the first show that they're singing. Um, they're singing. Um, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the song, but 
Not until you hear the actual um, um, album version or what they play live is, fuck you, I won't do it, you tell me. And they're yelling, fuck you. And I was like, oh, that's crazy how they did that. And my friends were like, what are you, ta- what are you talking about? You never heard the, the, the actual song? And I was like, no, I've always heard the radio edit. And they just cut that. They, the whole song is about five minutes long, but the radio edit's only like two and a half minutes long because they cut half the, half the song out. And I'm surprised they even went that far just to, you would think that they'd try to come up with a different type of, um, different lyrics or different, uh, alter the song rather than just cut off half the song. But, um, you think yeah, it's Bulls on how, Parade? Is that what it is, you think? Say again? You think it's Bulls on Parade, maybe? Yeah, I think so. Because you just said it was like, fuck you, now they do what they told you, and that's the, the hook. Now they do what they told you. Right. Do, do, do. Yeah. Now they do what they told you. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Zach De La Rocca. Whew. Um, arguably, and in my opinion, one of the best uh, guys in the rock business. And that that being that sound, that noise to make in a song. Right. I mean, uh-huh. David Draymond from Disturbed is pretty high on the list, too, with his funky noises. But I'm saying, like, if you're just going with... You know, it's that's nasty. (laughs) He's got the best one in the business to come in and just drop that grunt. Yeah, how about Uh a grunt? That's probably it's probably the best grunt in rock and roll, in my opinion. You know, that brings up uh, an interesting comment. I I, think I'm gonna um, pass on to Rodrigo. because we, you know how they have different themes uh, on the each podcast, they're gonna have to come up with your favorite non-lyrical sound or non-musical sound, something like a uh, to kind of like if you you could even go back as James Brown, like <laughs> yeah, um, he, he got he got it, it expands all all genres. Um, that is a pretty good topic. Bad. We'll have to tell them that. Yeah, yeah. The yeah sound gonna, effects. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I give you credit for all for the idea, but I'm going to try to pass it on to Rodrigo. Hey, motherfucker. Who's got the best noises? <laughs> right? Oh, there's probably a but, bunch. Just off the... Damn. Let's see. Because, uh, is a big one. Like, that's that's the uh, rock and roll noise. Forever. And, yeah, Disturbed Dude's got his fucking gorilla grunt shit that he does. That's... Yeah. Right. There's been all kinds of noises, I think. I, uh... I'm having a hard time adjusting to the new music, man. Like, I really don't... I listen to podcasts for the most part now, so I really don't get that concerned with the music. Um, I heard Living on on the 110, Prophets of Rage. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't fucking like it. You know what? It's not, um, Prophets of Rage is not, um, it, I, I can listen to it, but I'm not a, a fan of it. Like, I agree with you. I'm not a fan of it as much as I was when, with Raising Against the Machine, and if I'm not sure if you followed obviously, um, <laughs> both of those were different beasts. They were, it's, it's, it's um, and not the, Take away from the fact that it be real and um, check D, but it's, it's, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of it as much as I was with Rage Against the Machine and obviously. 
it was fun for the election, just as a hype thing. You know what I mean? That, oh yeah, yeah, I, I definitely. Think it, uh, get out and sell a couple of albums, maybe show up at a couple of concerts and get your picture took. That's nice. Yeah, and the nostalgia of them playing some of their older songs and and seeing if, if it was going to work with them and everything. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I went to the show here in LA, yeah. uh, um, Pop of Rage, and we, my friends and I, we had a great time. Enjoyed them, um, all the covers that they did. Man, but Uncle when we Tom got back into the car, we put on Rage Against the Machine. I was like, you know what? That was a good show, but it wasn't as good as what we what Rage Against the Machine was. And so, it's really it was like it was almost kind of a, a little disappointing to to get back in the car, put on a Rage Against the Machine CD, and say, man, that's what we really wanted. <laughs> but um, I, I still I, I still respect them. I, I enjoy. Um, their their ideology and what the um, the message they're trying to send. Yeah, I uh, we just on a recent episode, me and my my buddy, we were talking about it, and I got kind of sad because we finally come to the conclusion that Tom Morello is the star of all that. <laughs> he's the he's the guy, uh-huh. and it sucks because with recent situations and Chris Cornell dying uh, De La Rocca not really doing you know the rage thing uh, there's two very important bands now who you know the main key ingredient is there but you just can't replicate the song like you it's never gonna be live again <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's like Alice in Chains man I have a real fucking problem when people replace lead singers and then they don't change the name or they don't do something else. It it yeah. bothers me. Leonard Skinner, Alice in Chains. Sometimes it works. Circa Pink Floyd, ACDC. I get it. Right. It does work sometimes. But sometimes you just need to change the fucking band because right. that makes me angry when I hear live versions of Rooster and it's not fucking Lane Staley singing the song, but it's Alice in Chains. Right. Fuck you. To <laughs> <laughs> quote a comedian from my childhood, one Mr. Rodney Carrington, I don't want to go to fucking Disney World and have Chuck E. Cheese or, uh, you know, walk around. No, no, no. Right. It's not the same thing. So don't fucking try to sell me the same thing. <laughs> yeah, watered down versions or cover songs. Yeah. Or, or um, one of the things that I, I, I do enjoy is um, going to see um, old cover bands. Like, uh, there's a band that tours around here in Southern California called Led Zeppelin. And there's Led Zeppelin cover band. And, like, you three drinks in, and and uh, you, you, that, that's Led Zeppelin up on stage. But they always are selling their T-shirts and their CDs. And I was like, why would I want to buy a slightly different version of a Led Zeppelin album when I could just buy the Led Zeppelin album? I just never understand. I enjoy the, the coming and seeing a live performance and being able to hear Led Zeppelin music being played by awesome. These guys are talented musicians. Studio musicians. There are real deal right. cover bands. You know what I'm saying? Like These are genuinely yeah. awesome artists that do a good right. thing but you know what they play the hits 
I don't want to hear uh, your fucking new shit. <laughs> Play the hits. Right. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> uh, I, I think there was a movie that came out not too long ago, and it's just Alice in Chains is specifically dear to me. I love Alice in Chains. It's one of my favorite bands. I'm a grunge kid. I yeah. grew up a little after the time, but when I finally was exposed to it, it's my favorite. Chris Cornell is one of my favorite singers. So you said, right. I don't know if you fought an audio slave. I kind of giggled a little. I'm sorry. It was a little dickish, but yeah, I, I fought <laughs> an audio slave. <laughs> uh, it infuriates me that they still do fucking Alice in Chains songs. Call it Alice Unchained. Change the fucking name, man. It's not the same thing. I heard a version of Rooster on a, a movie called This Is 40, and it's got Paul Rudd in it, and at one point they're making right. fun of him because of the music that he listens to, and he goes, this is real music, and he turns it on, and it's you hear the, and you're like, okay, this is Alice in Chains, and the fucking other guy is, ain't found a way to kill me yet, and I'm like, uh, hold on. What the fuck? <laughs> and I got mad. I was like, that's not the real version. <laughs> that was crazy. I didn't even notice. I, I, I remember that movie. If you see, I'm <laughs> telling you that that is not the studio recording of that song. It's not Lane Staley singing. It's the new guy. And you fucking, it's like, wait a minute. Because <laughs> he's like, this is good music. I said, this is good music, but he's fucking singing it wrong. <laughs> right. Do you think they use that recording just to save money in the movie? Maybe. Do they? Pay? I wonder how much it costs to use, especially with shit like but, that. Like, yeah. I wonder if Chris Cornell's estate went up since all the shits happened, because he was all over the place. There were people singing duets with him. You heard? Um, did you hear the one he did with the country guy, Zach Brown? No, I didn't. Oh. Okay. I have to Google that one. No. Look it up on hey, YouTube. you ain't gotta do shit. You hold on. This is one of my favorite songs. Hang on. Zach Brown Band, Heavy is the Hand. Check this out. This is not that old either. This is Zach Brown, who uh, is a newer country guy. Are you already familiar with that at all, Zach Brown Band? You know what that name, that name sounds familiar. I don't, um, he, um, he I can't do it, but it does sound familiar. From a few years ago, he had his first song. It was like Highway 20 Run, I think. So it's like, oh, that Highway 20 Run and something. And then he got Chicken Fried, which is, I like a little chicken fried, cold beer on Friday nights. That was his next song. And then he had another song called Toes, which got real popular with like drunk rednecks, like on boats. Because uh -huh. it's, I got my toes in the water, ass in the sand, not a worry in the world, a cold beer in my hand, life is good today. And then he goes, adios and vaya con dios. That's the, the chorus of the song. It's actually a pretty good fucking song. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I told you, I, I said earlier, I didn't like country, but hearing you play, or hearing you sing country, I think as long as you, you're singing it, I, I'm going to enjoy it. That's what <laughs> I'm doing with the really LPP. I'm converting you fools. I got to tell you, there is a lot of bad stuff, but there's so much good stuff. So check yeah. this out. This is a song from just a few years ago. This is Zach Brown and Chris Cornell. Okay. I'm going to skip around a little just because we don't have to listen to the whole song, but I just want you to hear right. this little mashup. And this was played on country radio and it was played on rock radio. So here we go. Okay. 
Right? It's got that feel. All right. So Cornell comes in later and hits the chorus and does a backup vocal to the thing, and it's a really good fucking song. <laughs> I, I, I dug it. That was pretty cool. I, I really like uh, music or singers who have um, their voice is almost like another instrument in the band. It is. Like they just they can sustain those notes and and draw it out and just hang on there and so like that that's his rocks right there. I want to show you like just a couple little more pieces of this. This part right here where they come in and do like an overdraw. Everybody has a Cornell. Everybody has it. Let's do it, die. Like you got to snap that shit. And so right. it's awesome for him to be doing this. And it's country. You know what I'm saying? This is a country fucking band. So here's this part. Heavy is the Head by Zach Brown Band, featuring Chris Cornell. Right. You have to check it out, man. I like it. I love it, man. Definitely- Chris Cornell was very versatile with singing with folks, and he did it a lot. So, you know, there's there's a lot of different examples of him blending with folks. Is, right. I was so sad when I found out he died. <laughs> right. That, yeah, I was too. That hurt my fucking heart, man. I was like, damn, because I never got to see him live. I've had a couple. Oh, of, for I, real? I saw Garth Brooks live because he came back finally, and that made me really happy. I saw Dr. John live, and he's like 80-something, so I didn't think I was wow. going to make it to that one. But Cornell yeah, he, was was my next one, and because lately he had been touring again, doing his solo uh-huh. shit. Saying, I love it all. I've got it all. Like I, I literally, he's one of my favorite singers. And so I was yeah. just like, well, one of these days I'm gonna catch him in Dallas because I live in Little Rock. Like he ain't coming here. So I was gonna have to suck it up and make a trip to Dallas or Florida, you know, or some. I know it's a state and a city, but. They don't come here, so I would have to go to a larger hub to even catch a show with him on it, whether it be uh, Soundgarden or just a solo set, which I think I would have liked more. And I didn't get it, man. God dang it. (laughs) Yeah, I was lucky to see him, um, uh, Chris Cornell, with, I saw him when he was with Soundgarden. I saw him when he was with Audioslave, and um, I saw him do a single show and then they actually just about last December, they had a Temple of the Dark um, 
show in, in L.A. And I'll be able to see him then. So I was lucky enough to catch him in, in different um, shows and different times of his career and my life. And so, yeah, I've always enjoyed listening to him. See, Flo, you have experienced something that I would have held very dear to my heart. So I, I hope do. you understand the weight. <laughs> Temple of the Dog is one of my favorite albums. Um, I think that Say Hello to Heaven is probably the like it's if you were going to say rock music give it give me one shot give me rock say hello to heaven's the song i would pick i go here you go it's got everything it's chris cornell young with that five fucking octave voice and he rips that fucking solo apart it makes the hair on my arm stand up when i listen to that song right when he gets those are songs that i enjoy the most just like give you goosebumps when you hear it or it just gives you like some, something inside you just tingles and you're like whether it's an old song or a new song the first time you hear it it just it clicks a memory in your mind of when you first heard it and everything that was going on in your life at that time yeah. those are some amazing songs I've had a lot of dark times so I think that's why I relate to the grunge music you know that's what okay. it was for it, it was for, uh-huh. for me that was how I dealt yeah. with shit. I just was like, yeah, other people have shitty lives. And then I get older and I realize, well, yeah, they're pretty shitty, but dude, <laughs> you got a track record. This is crazy. <laughs> I know that Temple of the Dog, that whole thing was because of Homeboy, you know, dying. And another one of the songs on that album, like one of my favorite songs, is Times of Trouble. Are you familiar with that song? I don't know it offhand. If I heard it, I probably would. I'm going to play but, um, it, and I want you... I, one of... Also, another thing that, that I really love is there's a portion of this song where there's a harmonica solo, and I kind of fiddle around with a harmonica. I don't play it by any means, but I can appreciate when I hear something, I go, that's that's impressive. Right. Um, there's a harmonica solo in this song, and it's sad. It's about being a junkie, you know, about heroin, and it's... It's deep, man. And when they hit that shit, it's another one of those hair on your arms. So I'm going to play it. All right. We got a commercial first. So <laughs> welcome to the Po' Boys Podcast, where we play music <laughs> and talk about all kinds of goofy shit.
Drew's got a powerful voice. Yeah, he does. Crazy song. <laughs> I was listening to it and I was thinking of it like I could totally see how it could appeal to somebody coming from a dark place in their life or going through something and that would totally it was almost like um a blues type riff with the harmonica as well, accompaniment and just the way he sings that song it's almost like a uh um the tempo was like almost like a, a funeral march. So I could I could see it coming uh, totally appealing to people or anybody in in uh, maybe a darker place in their life and going through something and how, helping them um, cope or deal or, or relate with that song um, pretty well. I was sitting in a camper, like not an RV, but like a camper with a bed. We had right. electricity. I had a window unit. I had a little refrigerator, and I went to school from, you know, 8 till about, I think, 4, and I would go to work from 5 till about 10, Monday through Friday. And Saturdays, I sometimes would work, but not usually. I'd get the weekends off, so that was cool. And then, so, Friday night. About 10.30, if there wasn't shit going down, I would drive out to the woods. It's about 45 minutes. And just sit in my fucking camper and watch movies or smoke weed, drink beer. I had a few friends like around the neighborhood because I went to school out there for a couple years. But then I ended up going back to the, the local school that was closer to my job. And uh, yeah, the first time I heard that song, I was just sitting, sitting in the camper. I think I was eating pizza rolls. <laughs> and I just I had zoned out I you know smoked a little weed had some beers was just trying to recoup from a long fucking Friday and uh, I put that CD in and I had listened you know from the the restaurant to the way home I think maybe I changed it or something but I got I heard that song and I was like that's a good song I'm gonna listen to that again when I get home and I put it on I started crying it was a powerful fucking song, man. It's still, right. you know, to this day, like, I I hear it, it's just like, fuck. Because it's about losing something. Like, you were fighting the demon, man, and you lost. Because that's what happened. Homeboy was on them drugs. That heroin. Yep. That shit takes a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy that, like, kids are doing heroin now. Like, rich, affluent white kids are fucking dying from heroin overdoses. That's crazy. You don't hear very many stories after that. It's white people crack. It's killing people, dude. That's so crazy to me. Like, I mean, I've... Look, 
I have a disdain for methamphetamines. Like it's that drug has caused my family a lot of pain and a lot of problems. Uh-huh. So I could never do it. I very seldom have even been around people. I know enough about it to stay, you know, away from it. Like I'm like right. okay, I I don't even like hanging with people that fuck with it. I did some coke once for a while. <laughs> like there was like a couple months that it was a very interesting time and I have to say I love cocaine. It's a, it's a wonderful drug. It's very expensive. So if that's your 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 flavor then you uh you better have a good source of income cuz it's it's a good party drug. It's a party drug, man. You feel good. It's like pot or I guess mushrooms too. You know, I've never done LSD or any kind of crazy shit like that. And it's mostly because I think that psychedelics are definitely good for some people. Mm-hmm. But I think what I've heard is it gets in your in your head. I've done mushrooms a couple times and that was fun. You know, I giggled a little, but like LSD or heavy hallucinogens like DMT or some of these other things that they've got now. I've heard that it like it opens your fucking fourth wall, bro. You know, like it yeah. the thing is, I've got a lot of pain in my head. There's a lot of stuff in there. And I don't know if I need to open those fucking doors so I don't right. fuck with psychedelics like that. Yeah, I could, I could totally understand that. We just got medical marijuana in Arkansas. I'm hoping to apply to get a PTSD license. I think it's going to work out. I might have to go see a therapist. But I think it's going to be cool because I got shot in the head. And I've got a medical chart that's like an inch and a half thick. I would hope that I could just drop that on the desk and be like, hey, bro, can I get one of them cards, yeah. please? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about that story about being shot in the head. You can't just drop a, a comment like that without telling the story. What, what happened there? See, Flo, I'm sorry. I just realized that we don't fucking know each other. Um, <laughs> well, I've said it on my show, and it's. I know that it's... it's Okay, so when I was 16, I was in a hunting accident. I was uh, at a shooting range. Uh, My cousin fucking put an unloaded, air quote, gun on the hood of his truck. I got in the truck, shut the door, and the gun started to slide off the hood, so he grabbed it. It was loaded. So uh, when he grabbed it, it went off, and I was smoking a cigarette. So I had my hand in front of my face. And the bullet came through the windshield, hit my hand, shot my middle finger off. Went into my jaw, out the back of my neck. And I was only unconscious for like 10 seconds after it happened. Then I woke up. I remember the ride to the hospital. I remember all that shit. All the surgeries. Um, It's pretty intense, man. And, uh... I think since I was about 18, that was when I think I smoked pot for the first time. Um, 
it was a party. I was against it for the longest time, man. I took a lot of painkillers after it happened. Like, I was really not down with smoking weed because I thought it was a gateway drug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I said, yeah. I have a disdain for methamphetamines. So I just was like, no, you guys are a bunch of fucking stoners. And here I am pocking Percocets and hydrocodone and shit. <laughs> and then I think it was my 18th birthday, matter of fact. We were out at the farm. We were out in the woods. And I had some friends over. We had a bonfire. And uh, my buddies were smoking weed out of an apple. And they were like, hey, man, you want to fucking hit this shit? And I was like, man, you know, I'm not really cool. You know, and I just, I stopped and I was like, you know what? I've been such a shit about this. I said, let me just give it a shot. And since I was 18, I've self-medicated. You know, it keeps me fucking balanced. Right, right. I never, I never smoke weed when I work. I've, ne- I've, I used to work at this other place, and I had a really long route. And one time I did. I actually took some weed. And I, at the end of the day, long day, I smoked a little weed. And on the way back, it like basically turned into a fucking monsoon, <laughs> like a crazy flash flood thunderstorm. I don't know if you get those in California, but bro, it's like driving through a car wash. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. And uh, I just said, I can't. I can't ever do this again. I have a job where I drive for a living. I work under the guidelines of the DOT. It's illegal because it's federally funded. Right. Now, it's neither here nor there. Uh, I have what is known as an insurance policy. And if for some reason I have to go take a drug test, I should pass it. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, Okay. But the deal is, it's something that definitely helps me to stay balanced. I mean, I'm a, I'm a father now, man. Like, I've had moments where I've had to put my kid down because I start, like, in the back of my head, I feel that tension, that anger, that frustration coming, and I have to just walk away from him. That's another thing with little babies, man. They will work your fucking nerves out, man. <laughs> it's more like a chore and that's the thing is I know that this is going to be beneficial and one day I'm going to have my little sidekick and I'm so fucking excited for that but I'm also ready for the chore like version of this to be over <laughs> diapers don't bother me it's the sleeping man like Jesus Christ they don't fucking sleep they're like little yeah. soldiers they're always ready to go they're like what's up bro it's 6 o'clock <laughs> Yeah, that's that. I, I was blessed enough that um, my daughter was she she sleeps through the night, but she's an early riser, and I'm not. You should get up early anyway, man. Life is short. You know what I'm saying. You yeah. should be up out of bed doing some shit. I try to get up by like seven every day. That's good. I get up for six at six for work, so you know it's not that that crazy. But I just. I feel like shit when I sleep till 10 or 11 o'clock. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Sometimes I need it. Sometimes I need to just like shut it down and catch up on some rest and, and it's good for my mind and my body. But yeah, I, if, I, if I sleep past eight or nine and I wake up, I'm like, man, I just wasted two or three hours of my life or two or three hours of my day that I could have been doing something, <laughs> even if it was I'm just catching up on something. But <laughs> I hear you. I have a quick question for you. Your finger, do you yes, ever sir. get that taken care of or is that something you don't have? 
I have a missing middle finger. That's Here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold just put a pin right quick. See flow. Yes. We've been talking for an hour and twenty minutes. I don't know how long you've got to go. I don't have shit until this baby wakes up. I'm gonna cut all this out, obviously, but my question is, like, do you have anything to do in the next, like, 20, 30 minutes? Because, I mean, I can go. I, talk, I love talking. So, and I'm a little half-lit right now. So, if you've got something you need to do or, like, a time limit, just tell me now. So, I'll make sure and not run past it because I've literally got not shit to do till the baby wakes up. <laughs> I hear you. And I appreciate that. But, um, yeah, uh, I didn't even realize we had been on there on as long as we have. So, I'm guessing about another 10, 15 minutes. Um, I am planning on going over, picking up my daughter, and uh, spending the weekend with her. But um, I did say that um, she's with her mom right now, and I told her that I had um, this appointment that I was going to meet with her, talk with you, and then I would be over there after. So I say about another 10, 15 minutes. Well, I might not cut that out there because it's very sweet, and I appreciate you being a good fucking dad, (laughs) C-Flo. They need more of us in this world, these poor girls. I don't even care what you say about equality and all that shit. These daughters, they need our fucking help, man. These sons, they they need our fucking help. There's a lot of kids right now that don't have nobody looking out for them, and it's so sad. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, no, I have a missing middle finger. And what happened was is now right when it happened, I remember, remember it very well. Um, when the gun went off, uh, everything kind of stopped. Like time stopped. just. And uh, I remember I was taking a drag off my cigarette. So I don't know if you smoke or if you know people that smoke or like the technique but there's this move where you, when you take a drag off your cigarette, you take and you put your your index finger around the cigarette and you clamp it like between your index finger and your middle finger, and you take right. it down and you you know you flick it, you do whatever. But that's how you take it out of your mouth, right? I'm right-handed, so that's my style. I fucking lit a cigarette. I got in the truck and shut the door. And was just kind of looking off to the left out the window. And as I came back towards the front, I see my cousin, like, diving for the gun. As, you know, I shut the door really fucking hard, man. I don't know. It's it's just shitty luck. <laughs> I shut it. Right. The shit slid. And I see him kind of going for it as I'm turning back around. And it's just like, just lightning. Bam. And I was like. Oh, shit. And I kind of fell over in the seat. And I was out. Like, it was white light. It was real slow. Like, when it happened, it was like the sound of if you were underwater and you heard cymbals bang together. Like, so if you know that it's just, imagine you're underwater. So there's that that quiet, just kind of that, that steady quiet. And then you hear. So white light, that noise. I slumped over in the seat about 10 seconds. And it had to be because he didn't, he didn't have time to go from the hood to even to my door to open it to check on. You know, it was that fast. Yeah. So I remember I opened my eyes and I saw my hand in my lap, you know. And yeah. my, my middle finger, which would normally, you know, you look at your hand, you see how your fingers are supposed to be pointing at everything. My middle finger is laying across the back of my hand. Like, 
it's you know the tip of my middle finger is hanging past the the right part of my palm like it's just hanging wow and my index finger my pointer finger is pointing towards me like it's you know turned the wrong way Uh and i saw that and i was just like oh shit you know like i thought that it shot my hand you know what i mean like oh that's not good yeah just your hand right so i sat up in the seat and i was just like oh no and then i saw the bullet hole in the window i saw the back glass had been shattered and then like i see my cousin freaking you know starting to make his way to me and i look in the mirror of the truck and i see my fucking jaw like laid open you know what uh-huh. i'm saying i see i'm seeing teeth and about that time, I guess when I sat up in the seat, like blood started running down my fucking shirt. And I looked down and I saw that, and I was just like, "Oh no!" <laughs> wow. So I jumped out the truck, and I was gonna tourniquet my head. I've told this story before on another podcast, and so I don't know if anybody's listened to it. I hope that I'm not boring those people. But yeah, I I thought about tourniqueting my head. I remember that. I was like. My hand's not really bleeding, but I had my belt off. I was like, I'm going to tourniquet something up in this bitch. Because I know that's what you're supposed to do when you're bleeding real bad. So I fucking, I was looking at my hand. I said, well, that's not really bleeding. I could just tie this shit around my neck, and then it'll be all right. <laughs> and uh, so we realized we had to get to a hospital. We drove up to our deer camp. His dad came out, my uncle. He was kind of giving me the rundown. He was like, are you okay? You know. Obviously, I should be in shock, but I'm not, like, freaking out. It's Seaflow. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Like, I don't know what happened to me that day, but it changed me. Like, I just, it's, I had a moment where it was like, I could have just sat there and said, fuck it. But I was like, I'm not fucking going out today. Fuck this. Like, I will be goddamned if I have gone through all the shit that I've gone through. To get shot in the fucking head now. Bullshit. So I got in that truck. We drove to the fucking hospital. I walked into that fucking emergency room and I was like, fix this shit, goddammit. That's a good story. I don't care who's heard that story before. I'm sure they're going to, they can't say that's a boring story. That's an amazing story. So the thing is, is like now, I'm a dad. I'm probably 10 years removed from that lifestyle. Like, I've really tried to put it behind me. And I pay my taxes, you know. I pay the bills. Everything's cool. But it's hard for me when I hear people complain or when I see, you know, shit that's going on in the world today. And these, I did a rant on my my podcast I posted today. And it was about this whole Nazi march shit and what's going on. And I was like, guys... You have no fucking idea how bad life could be. Like, you are pampered little fucks. (laughs) And I'm sorry to have to say it, but that's what's happening. These people have no perspective of what hard times is. And when I hear people complain, it just, it hits a button on me. And I'm like, really? Are you going to complain to the guy that shows? I go to work every day. I work 12 hours every day to provide for my family and that's what I do and when I hear somebody complain about their situation and it's like oh is it tough you know you got a hard life 
You know, I got nine fucking fingers. I got shot in the head. I show up to work every day. Yeah. Did you, you know, did you, oh, did your, does your back hurt? I feel you, man. You could take a day off for that. A week? Come on, man. <laughs> like, That's totally it. I mean, perspective is that key word that you said. Um, whenever, anytime, any time of the day that I'm having a bad day at work, work-related, or if somebody says, oh, we're going to need you to do this, or and it's on top of all the things I'm already doing, and this, and, and people say, man, how did you just say okay right away? Like, no, like you didn't even give it a second thought. You just added that, and you have no complaints or anything. I was like, you you don't know what, how many jobs I've had in my life. I've 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 done custodial work where I've had to scrub toilets. I've had to um, dig ditches. I've had to do a lot of different things in my life that help build my character and help me see and have perspective. And now, when someone says, "Can you watch another class or supervise a class after you've done six periods of classes and go substitute one more?" That's nothing, nothing compared to what other people have experienced or even things that I've experienced in my life. So, like you said, just putting it in perspective, saying, that was nothing. That was nothing compared to what other people have to deal with or what I've had to deal with. What would I rather do? Get paid what I'm doing now, watch a cl- um, one more group of kids for one extra period or complain about it and still have to do it anyways. And have or, or have a CD outlook on it, and just think, why, why, do I, why am I having to do this? Why am I having to do this when I could just do it, get it over with? It was a lot better than cleaning ten extra toilets that I would have done earlier on in my life if I was stuck with that job. So it's all about perspective. I, I totally agree with you on that. You could always be doing worse, man. <laughs> right. I, I, I have a lot of friends who are always they're complaining, complaining, complaining. They're like, you know, you, you really ever complain? I was like, well, I complain about things that can, I can change. The things that I can change, I'll complain about. But the things I can't um, change, I complain about, it's going to still be there. And it's all about perspective, like you said. It's like how you see things, how you see life. And, and you have a lot of life experiences that help you have that perspective on life and appreciate life. So I really respect that. And uh, I'm glad that you, there's other people who have these life experiences and they don't, they, they don't get that connection. They don't learn those lessons. And it's really cool that uh, you do. That's all I'm trying so, to do, man. It's, I like to make friends. I like talking to people. I like, you know, I've always appreciated like people that are genuinely interesting, you know, because not getting a lot of attention as a kid, like it's, I love the idea that you can have a conversation with somebody and they're genuinely interested in what you have to say, right? (laughs) you know, and that's why I appreciate podcasting. So I guess at the end of the day, that's it. Podcasting is, is the therapy here. Rodrigo brought us together and we had a, a nice long conversation, Seaflow. God damn. <laughs> That's what happens I'll when you put a couple Rodrigo, of together. I thank you. <laughs> mm. And like I said, as much as you find my, my uh our conversation interesting and enjoyable, I get you, I, I almost guarantee you with Rudy it's gonna be twice as good because that guy he is very interesting in, in himself and he he's got a great life perspective as well. And so I, I guarantee you, 
when you and Rudy get together, you got to have a really good show. Will you do me a favor? I've got Rod on the hunt. You can pass the word along. I got my sight sets on you, Rudy. You bring us right, over here good. to the Po Boys podcast and have a sit down with the old boy Jody B. <laughs> sounds good. See, Flo, I appreciate you, brother. You have a wonderful afternoon. Have a good weekend. Go get your kid. Go do something fun. Fucking go, go live life and enjoy being a good fucking dad. And so that's all you can do, you know. Later tonight, you sit down after everything's done. The kids asleep. I don't know if you drink. Whatever you do, if you have a vice, have a diet soda. Tip your cup up. <laughs> I appreciate talking to you today, man. Like it was really nice I, getting to know you. I enjoyed it, and um, I'm hoping it's not the last. I hope to reconnect with you and have a. Uh, the conversations later on in our lives no problem man you have a good weekend bro well it seems like daddy got a little loose on that one what with all his whiskey drink <laughs> it's kind of silly um i had a good time i uh i don't get a lot of like i mean I've, i talked to my wife but i'm saying like just Real good conversation, not just sitting around being silly. Like I said before, I, I do appreciate that. So, Sivlo, thank you, you motherfucker. It was really nice, and I hope to get the rest of your crew, Rudy. I'll even take, uh, what, Little Dragon? That's what's up. Bring your ass. I'm hoping to get the LPP tonight. Now, one thing I did find kind of funny, and I'm sure that other podcasters have the same thing happen. This was recorded last Saturday, so today is the 26th. Yeah, it's the day of the McGregor fight. This was recorded last Saturday, and it's funny because a lot of my shows this week, there were some similar points. Some people were talking about the same shit, and I just thought that was kind of crazy how I guess that does happen, you know, just parallel thinking with what's going on in the world. It makes me feel happy to know that I guess I'm I do have my finger on the pulse of some shit, so I'm not going crazy. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, hey, um, I got to do an open mic this week, so I'm going to put that actually at the very, very end, so it's like a like an Easter egg. It's bonus content after the song. If you'd like, I have a five-minute little piece that I did this week. It's not much. It's literally the third time I've been on stage so don't expect much but I had a great time and anytime I can get a chance to record something like that and, and let it, somebody else listen to it to critique or just to listen to it to tell me that I fucking suck balls I'll take that chance because I like feedback good or bad I don't give a shit listen it's going to be a good weekend you motherfuckers handle your business Hopefully, somebody wins some goddamn money over this fight this weekend. Because I don't, I don't know, man. I think so many people are going to be tuning in. It really doesn't matter who wins. I think Conor McGregor wins no matter how you slice it. Because the motherfucker is going to get $100 million even if he gets knocked out. So, hats off to you. Uh, let's hope that uh, everything can be a little brighter. I think the dog days of summer are over. So that's good. Maybe we won't all be so fucking sweaty and hot that we want to stab each other and do all this craziness. But until next week, I'm Jody B. Thank you for listening to the Po Boys podcast.
and you motherfuckers take it easy.
bonus contest.
Now, obviously, it wouldn't say thumper all the time. It would say thump most of the time. It's probably more something fit for D so funny. You know what I mean, D? Gotta have some space. He ain't listening. Anyway, speaking of BBC, uh, so y'all, I drive for a living. I drive through Malvern, I drive through Benton. You know, where hookers and meth come from. I see crazy things all the time. A couple months ago, I'm sitting at a red light, minding my business. I see this dude coming down the street. Big black man in a wheelchair. He's got no legs. Now, it's a mechanic, you know, motorized wheelchair. He's just going down the sidewalk. He's pulling a 300-pound white woman, both legs. She's got both. And I saw it, and I said, what the hell? I couldn't help it. I rolled down my window. I said, hey, man, where you going with that big bitch? He said, man, it's the only one I can catch. I'm going to go get my dick sucked. Y'all, I appreciate it. I haven't been on stage very many times, so I don't really know how to say goodbye. I'll tell you a joke. What's the difference between a bus depot and a lobster with big titties? One's a crusty bus station, and one's a busty crustacean. <laughs> Guys, thank you. Now give another round for the man. You another round, man. You get a lot. All right. Thank you. Okay.